0: Would you please join me in reciting the Shema, which our Lord Jesus would have recited every day of his life. Shema Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Please be seated. My wife and I have been on an interesting journey for the last few months. Uh, in November, we bought a house that was built in the 1920s. And as we toured the house, um, things looked relatively uh, kept up until we got to the kitchen, uh, which looked small and outdated. And my wife got really excited, which was really confusing to me because my, my wife loves to entertain and loves to cook. And afterwards, she's, I said, I'm a little concerned about the kitchen. And she said, I think it looks fine. And I said, I don't think that's going to work. Barely two of us fit in the space. And she said, I know. We have to update it. (laughs) And I found later it was a dream of my wife to find an old house where she had to update the kitchen. So this house met her requirements. My wife works for a contractor. So I was very excited about the idea of all these subcontractors, these specialists, who we could call at the drop of a hat and they would show up. And with much expertise in the trade, they could do amazing things and make things look sharp and good and take care of them without any involvement on our part, namely me. And to which my wife said, no, we're going to do most of this ourselves. So beginning in March, we started with a full demolition of the kitchen, including removing four walls and a closet that stored not only our 20-year-old water hot water heater, but a chimney as well. 423 bricks later, we got the chimney out of there and then ripped up part of the linoleum floor and inserted new floor joists and then began rebuilding the walls ourselves. I've learned a lot on this journey with my wife, and time and time again I have asked her, are you sure this is the way this works, or questioned some of her approaches. For those of you who have not been newly married for a while, this is not a trick that wives (laughs) like. But I am glad to say we are near the end of the completion of our kitchen, and we are still happily married. That might be the biggest miracle you will hear about (laughs) all morning. As I reflected on this passage in our lives and this time and this project we underwent recently, I realized that this is not a new thing for me to want to just outsource our troubles to bring new solutions through other people. Go back with me to when I was a young child my family and I would travel up to Lake Michigan to see aunts, uncles and cousins and attend a camp called Michigania that was put on by the University of Michigan on Lake Michigan. A family camp, there was lots of things to do and many things involved the lake, so naturally there was sailing. So my dad says to me one day, why don't we go out sailing? And they train you in all these different things to do with the boat before you go out sailing. And the most important one is how to get the boat upright when the boat tips over. So having a logical mind, even at this young age, I thought, this is ridiculous. Why would you go out in a boat that would tip over? Well, I didn't realize at the time these boats are small and designed actually to tip over and then be easily brought back up. So when we got to the training on bringing the boat back up, I thought, this is ridiculous. This won't happen. And they walked through this stuff. And I broadly pay attention and we go out on the water and I'm thinking everything will be fine. At which point we hit some waves and the boat, like they warn us, tips. And we are in the water with the sail and mast and all these kinds of things. Well, it's a family camp, so they're big on safety. So they have a ski boat that goes out when they see the sail tip down. And the people pull up and I think, whoo, here are the experts that can actually do this kind of thing. And they say, are y'all okay? To which my dad and I say yes we're fine and to which they ask would you like any help and to which I'm thinking yes could you right size this boat and my dad says no we're great and waves goodbye and I still remember being a small child and so the waves kind of come over my head and I can see the boat as it goes away to shore and I think we're out here in the middle of what feels like an ocean to me and the boat is tipped over And my dad slowly walks me through the steps that we talked about before. And you grab this rope and pull on this rope. And the next thing I know, the boat's right-sized again and we're sailing. There's an element of our lives where God invites us to be part of the journey and part of the story and part of the miracle. And what we'll see this morning in the scriptures is that God is inviting all of us to be a part of his work. The miracle here in the story that we often look at is the great works of God, the amazing plagues that changed the landscape of Egypt, an overpower of powerful Pharaoh that everyone thought was God. But I want to suggest to you this morning that the miracle is actually that God comes to us and says, I want you to be part of this journey with me. That in the same ways he comes to Moses and Aaron, he comes to us and he says, I want you to partner with me on this journey. Come follow me. Let me show you the things that we will do together. It's amazing when you play team sports, you learn a lot about yourself and the people around you. Many of you have grown up in schoolyards where you pick teams. When I was in graduate school, we had pick-up basketball games that we could play in the gym. And so it was air-conditioned and it was nice hardwood floors, so I would dedicate a lot of my exercise time to basketball. And picking teams was probably the most important part of the game, and it's before the game even started, because who you had on your team determined the talent you had on the floor and then how your team would do. One day we're playing basketball, and a fellow on my team has played college basketball before. He's about six foot seven and he can dunk the ball. I have never played basketball with someone who can dunk. And we are on a fast break and he is motioning to the rim and I don't see this and I lay up the ball. It comes hard off the rim. He comes flying in behind me and dunks the ball. And my eyes opened up and I thought, oh my gosh, the whole game has changed having this fellow on my team changed everything about what was possible and what we could do. God, in our story this morning, invites Moses to be part of the journey. In the same way, he invites us as well. He says, Moses, I am going to call you to deliver, help deliver my people. I have heard the cry of the Israelites, and I will return you to Canaan, the land I have promised you. And Moses just thinks, what in the world? And we do the same thing with the things that God calls us to. He calls us to these amazing things, and we think, just like Moses does, how can I do this myself, God? And God says, no, no, you're not going to do these things. You're do, We're going to do these things together. As we look at the response and go through the passages, I want you to notice what Moses and Aaron's part in this is and how Pharaoh responds. Beginning in Exodus chapter 7, So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his, his officials and it became a snake. And then Pharaoh summoned wise men and sorcerers and the Egyptian magicians also did the same things by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff and it became a snake. You see, the magicians are able to do these things in mimicking what God has done. But then it goes on, but Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. And we see in the beginning a foreshadowing where God shows us He will not be overcome, He will not be outdone, He will not, as we like to say around here, share the stage with anyone else. The whole point of this God tells Moses and us is that God will be known throughout the earth that he is God. And in parentheses, I want you to think, and Pharaoh is not. Because in Egypt, they think that Pharaoh is God. And it continues on later in chapter 7. This is what the Lord says, By this you will know that I am the Lord. With the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile, and it will be changed into blood. This is Moses talking... To Pharaoh. And the fish in the Nile will die and the river will stink and the Egyptians will not be able to drink it. And he raised his staff in the presence of Pharaoh and his officials and struck the water of the Nile and the water was changed into blood. And again, God is reminding Pharaoh and us of his power. But notice that God is directing Moses and Aaron what to do. God can show up on the scene and do it himself. God is speaking to Moses. We know God can speak to Pharaoh as well. It's so interesting. Why is he involving all this through Moses and Aaron? Why does he even bother? We can assume that if he shows up, if he shows up to Pharaoh himself, Pharaoh's going to know more just like Moses would, wouldn't he? But this is not God's plan or desire. God's plan or desire is to involve us in this partnership, in this relationship, in this journey. And it continues on. But the Egyptian magicians did the same things. By their secret arts and Pharaoh's heart became hard. He would not listen to Moses and Aaron just as the Lord had said. God is involving Moses and Aaron and us In these miracles. And Pharaoh turns to his magicians to try and produce the same thing. Continues on in Exodus 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and canals and ponds and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land. But the magicians did the same things by their secret arts. They made frogs come up out of the land. But notice that the magicians can do the same thing, but it's only making the suffering of Pharaoh's people worse. And then in verse 8, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Notice also that Pharaoh does not go to his magicians to clean up the mess. He actually instructs Moses and Aaron to pray to the Lord. In a sense, Pharaoh's magicians, Pharaoh's workarounds, Pharaoh's attempts to do these things on his own can only make the situation worse. When he needs real solutions, he himself is turning to the Lord our God. In verse 12, after Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs he had brought to Pharaoh, and the Lord did what Moses asked. Notice that God is involving us, his people, in his work. He is revealing that he is the Lord, and everyone on earth will know this, but he is also revealing to us that we have a part to play. God is extremely instructing Moses and Aaron to go speak with Pharaoh and Pharaoh is calling on them to call on God and God waits to bring his solutions until Moses and Aaron have come to him in prayer. Friends, God invites us to play a part in his work on the earth. Might that be the biggest miracle of this entire story? And then later in chapter eight, in the fourth example, we find, as Audrey reminded us, that the workarounds and the attempts to do these things on our own will fail and fall short of the power of God. As they bring gnats on the earth, it says, when the magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts, they could not. And the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. And then finally in chapter 9, with boils covering all the land, the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils that were on them and on all of the Egyptians. As I reflected on the scriptures for this morning, I continued to think of the many ways that I like to do workarounds. That it's difficult for me to depend on others, or even God himself for the things he calls me to partner with him in doing. We want people that work for us, that will respond to us at the drop of a hat, that are experts in these tricks and workarounds that help produce these outcomes that mimic the ways of God. And as we know, they always fall short, and in fact, they make things worse. Think of the things that we try and avoid, that we placate our lives with to keep the pain away, to substitute for the very nature and love of God. Is it our looks? Is it our jobs? Is it our accolades? Is it money or things or praise from other people? We could probably make a very long list, each one of us. What are the things that we turn to to substitute from turning independence on god to follow him and his work on the earth as i reflected on why this is i kept coming back to this reality that i want to be in control i don't really trust that god is going to give me the things that i need or even want and so i turn to other means to provide them for myself So what are ways that we can learn from this passage as Moses and Aaron partner with God in these amazing works? I think first and foremost, it's getting to know the loving nature of God. Remember that Moses doesn't start with these calls to miracles and partnering with God. He starts in a time, as Ray Vanderland puts it, an extended time of getting Egypt out of himself in the desert where he's coming away from the things of the world And being reminded of the things of God, which ultimately comes to the burning bush. Where God speaks to him directly and begins to reveal himself to Moses and his people, the Israelites. Time and community and worship and prayer and scripture, we get to know God. And begin to let go of the fear of not getting what we want or need. Psychologists talk about the importance of actually writing down these things. Getting them out of our head and out of our minds and out of our worry wheels, as they call it, and down on paper. And then our problems and our needs and our concerns aren't as scary. And then as King David remind us reminds us, we can turn to God in honesty. Cry out to Him with what we need. As we see the Israelites doing in this passage, God listens and then responds. And then starting to join God on the journey of what He is doing. As our senior pastor asks us, whose mission are you on? Are you on your own mission or are you on God's mission? As we begin to get in line with God's plan and be aware that it's not only what we want, but what he wants, suddenly learning to hear the voice of God becomes ever-present and ever-important in our lives. What does it look like for you to hear that still, small voice of God. What is it like for you to have those nudges or the heartstrings pulling you a certain way? Or when a friend calls with a word of encouragement that speaks directly into what you needed, or your scripture passage for that morning ties in to just the things you were struggling with. How is God speaking to us? It's learning to hear his voice. And then finally, stepping out and having the courage To do the things that he calls us to. Friends, the real miracles here are not the power of God. We've known that from the beginning when he laid the foundations of the heaven of the earth. We know that Pharaoh is not God and that our Lord is. But for me, the real miracles in this passage this morning is that God comes to us and says, I want you to be on my team. I want you to partner with me in this mission as we go to share my love with all the world. And we will be called to do what seems like amazing things, but friends, I assure you they will be as simple as holding out your hand with a stick or saying certain words to other people. The onus on the miracle and the big work is always on God. The big miracle for us is that he partners with us And we have the courage to say yes. We learn his loving nature and are willing to trust it. We hear his voice and discover where he's guiding us. And then we respond. Many of you have done this for years and can identify with the amazing things that happen when God calls us to something and we respond in doing it. And our lives and the lives of those around us are changed forever. This morning after I pray, we will have time to be still and listen to the Lord speak. I know for many of you, this is something you have heard for most of your life, but if this is new for you, I encourage you just to say to the Lord, I am here. And be open to the ways that he will nudge you, bring things to mind, or even whisper in your ear. And in this, you will have begun the most amazing journey you can ever imagine. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we bless you for your amazing power. We bless you for the things you have for us and the things you call us to. But most of all, Lord... We bless you that you come and ask us to join you on this journey. Father, thank you that this is an invitation of a lifetime. Thank you that you promise us that you are a good and loving and trustworthy Father. Thank you, Lord, that you are worth risking for. Father, thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us and you are always, always speaking to us. And Lord, thank you that you are here with us. So in this time, I pray that you would open our hearts and our ears to hear the still small voice of your love speaking over us.